0: Hey everybody, I'm Katie McDoyle and this is the Detecting History Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. How are you all doing? I hope you're all well out there this week in the UK. We've been battling it's Storm Kieran so there is a lot of damage around there's been a lot of flooding there's still a lot of flooding it's still torrentially raining as i speak outside and the storm hit a couple of days ago now and i just hope you're all safe and well out there and if you can if the weather has cleared where you are i hope you're out digging here it is still very very waterlogged so i'm not sure if i'm going to get out i might try and get out in the morning just for a couple of hours don't even mind if i get very muddy i just want to get outside so i'm going to go for it um what have i been doing this week if you follow me on instagram or the podcast on instagram you'll see that i finally 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 got my new full-size spade um so i went with the emitter d 140 stainless spade um girl that digs sophie recommended this one to me i needed something that was lightweight this one weighs 1.4 kilograms and yeah it's really light it's 83.5 centimeters long Um, i'm five foot four and it's the perfect perfect height for me the only thing i've noticed is that uh it doesn't have a rubber grip on the handle so that's going to get quite cold through the winter but then i've had a look and you can get some silicone rubber tape that you can just tape over the handle and then that will prevent me from getting absolutely frozen hands when it's all frosty in the deep depths of winter let's quickly talk some stats so i just wanted to let you all know thank you for being a listener a loyal listener um, you're all doing wonders helping to share the podcast get the word out there that it exists so some stats i wanted to let you know about because i've been sharing these on instagram and you're not all on instagram i know some of you are listening um, from all over the world so i just wanted to let you know that the first episode of course aired on the 2nd of september with the grim Bleeper. Um, and since then we have made it to position 181 in the podcast charts under the history section in the uk and position 89 in sweden hi sweden who knew i'd be so popular uh, in sweden well it's not me it's our wonderful guests that are popular and our stories that we share so thank you um we've got listeners now in 17 countries five continents it blows my mind and just hello to all of you and reach out say hi um, come on the podcast, we'd love to hear what it's like detecting, metal detecting, history hunting, beach combing, fossil hunting in your country. So come on. Um, just to lift uh, a little bit of the hood on podcasting, when, you, when you're when you doing a podcast, you get shown loads of stats by your podcast provider. So we are hosted by ACAST and then things like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, they tell you your stats. So I just wanted to share with you because I found this really interesting that... Um, Gender wise, the podcast is currently listened to um, an audience that's made up of 19 percent females, 79 percent males 0.2 percent non-binary and two percent that I haven't specified so that's really interesting do you think that uh fits with what you see out and about in the fields do you think that's the the makeup of the people doing metal detecting 19 percent female 79 percent male let me know what you think and then in terms of age ranges so a little list here but i'll run through it in case you, you don't see any of the posts that i put on instagram regarding this 18 to 22 year olds, 0.4%, 23 to 27 year olds, 11.4%, 28 to 34 year olds, 18.27%. So it's starting to go up here, 35 to 44 year olds. This is the largest group at 36.95%. 45 to 59 year olds, 24.7%. And then the age range on this last one made me giggle because it's between 60 and 150 years old. Not sure we've got 150 year old people out there, Um, but that's 7.63% and then 0.6% of an unknown age. If you're wondering, that didn't add up to 100. So there you go. Also, a big thank you to everybody for the ratings. So we've got nine ratings on Apple Podcasts, nine rating on Spotify as well. All five stars, really lovely comments on there. Can't thank you enough. In order to attract the sponsorship we just need to keep getting the listener numbers up and the ratings in so thank you thank you thank you without further ado let's go to this week's guest we've got emma yule Emma loves old stuff on instagram it's a fantastic interview enjoy welcome to the detecting history podcast everybody this week i've got the one for emma yule am i pronouncing that right emma Yes. um from M love old stuff. I love your handle on Insta. It just does what it <laughs> says on the tin, doesn't it? M love old stuff.
1: <laughs> it was one of those handles that I I thought deep and hard about, but I wanted to be different. I just didn't want to be like Emma metal detecting or something, or because I it was not my my Instagram is purely not just about metal detecting. It is about old stuff and other things
0: so I wanted to try and say like I do other stuff as well. (laughs) All encompassing, well it works perfectly and you've just here I've seen today on Insta you've got 4,500 followers, nice round number unless unless it's gone up already so yeah those numbers are ticking up so welcome thank you for coming on. Thank you. Been trying to get you on for ages so I'm glad the day is finally here. Um, Tell us which region of the UK are you based in? Um, so I am in Kent, so in the southeast region. Ah, lovely. So lots of history down there. And is the ground down there quite flinty and chalky? Yes, yeah. We we have quite a lot of flint fields, especially
1: um, right in the centre of Kent. As you get a bit further towards the, the coast, I suppose you get more clay fields. Um, there are certainly areas which are very, very sticky because <laughs> the clay consistency is just... Yeah, and it's one of those when you try to avoid going in the rain because your boots just pick up a, a few more kilograms of mud because the clay sticks to them. So That's right. it yeah. does vary. <laughs> it, you know, we, we've been on sandy soil as well, so I would say it, it, it does vary quite a bit
0: down this way. Yeah, yeah, I'm yet to I'm yet to try the trick of putting big old socks, woolly socks, over the welly boots, and apparently it stops them collecting so much mud. I haven't tried that My yet. friend does it and he says it works. Oh, there um, you go.
1: Yeah, but 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 then you can get in a situation where if the socks become loose, then they're then dragging along the ground, and <laughs> yeah, I, I I'll just stick with using my spade to unstick the mud. That that's fine <laughs> by
0: me. <laughs> that's the best way, isn't it? Otherwise, we'll all end up sort of commando styly crawling along on our elbows trying to detect. <laughs> Excellent. So so what's your history in the in the? We'll talk about metal detecting part of um, your history finding that you do. What's your history? How did you get into detecting? So, way back when I was younger,
1: I was actually raised by my grandparents and every Sunday uh, around dinner time we would watch Time Team. Oh yes. Um and that that was like a weekly thing. That's what we did as a family. We all sat in front of the telly, watched Time Team, dinner, etc. And that is where my hist- my love of history started yeah. watching that. And uh, I thought I want to be an archaeologist when I'm older. Yeah. And it even it was even one of those days at school where you're told to come in and, you know, non-school uniform day, but we had to go in as, um, like an occupation. Yeah. And I said to my grandparents, I want to go in as an archeologist. Oh, brilliant. So, so they put me in these tat- tatty jeans, a really thick, uh, like woolly jumper. And they gave me a a utility belt and put like little tools and things on it. Um, so that's where it all started. Oh, and, so cool. you know, I was very, I was quite young, yeah. um, and then uh, it's I, I started detected about eight years ago. So it was about eight years ago I looked at just buying a detector and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to buy yeah. one. I'm going to message a local club and see if I can go along. And I was really lucky that um, they said that they would wanted to get a few more women in the club at the time. So I was invited along to go and I probably was the only lady there on the day Um but it was it was brilliant, and I was accepted straight into the club and yeah, it was fantastic to go along
0: and and just take part straight away. oh, wonderful, wonderful and uh you've uh it's opened many doors and many avenues for you, and obviously you're a big history lover anyway. What else have you been up to
1: so um I used to work in the city of London, so when I was up there i would well, my office was literally on the Thames so i could look out of my window where i sat and see other mudlarkers okay. along the Thames so of course had to try and get a permit to yeah. to get in so this was before all the permits got restricted um so a few years ago now but um when I used to work yeah. in the city, because I don't now, I used to do a bit of mudlarking. I'd go out and meet a few people on the on the banks of the river. Um, you know, lovely at lunchtime. If I was lucky, the tide would sink up with my lunch, so I could go out and have a little wonder. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I was really lucky in that sense. Uh, I had that right on yeah. my doorstep. Um, otherwise, uh, now I'm I'm more. I don't live near the coast myself, so it's a bit of a journey to get to the coast, but I do get involved with, you know, beachcombing and fossil hunting and and things like that, and I love going to search for fossils and... It's just really good, fun stuff and always a great day out.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So you, like a lot of people we've had on, you're a finder of things, aren't you? It's not the one thing, but it's the finding of the thing that you love. Um, I really want to get back into beachcombing and fossil hunting. When I was a kid where I grew up, uh, Bedfordshire way um the big allotment patch as part of our family garden was just full of fossils i had a massive collection unfortunately we moved down to devon and my collection went missing so i always oh, think no. of this massive collection of fossils i had yeah i need to get back into it so that's uh, that's on my list of things to do get back beach combing also a bit of mud larking would be good as well but as you say the licenses are all restricted at the moment but that's the dream, being from corporate land myself, to be able to go out and get a bit of mudlarking done when the tides are right on a lunch break. That's perfect. That must have been wonderful. What was um, one of your favourite finds from one of your lunch break expeditions? Um, probably a piece of tesserae, um, you
1: know, like the Roman floor mosaic. And yeah. Just completely by chance. I'd gone down and, you know, there was already people there before me because... By, by the time I got out for lunch it was already the tide was already out um yeah so I was just having a little mooch around and it just appeared right in front of me and I I kind of was like am I seeing this for real and <laughs> picked it up and I was studying it just to make sure it was what I thought it was and I was yeah. like it is it is it's too too like just too square as in like the form of it was Obviously, a piece of tesserae of what it was, and I was—I yeah. didn't know anyone around me at the time. But I was like, "Oh, well, I've just found this!" <laughs> and uh, of course, when I go back to the office, um I- I'm trying to s- show how exciting the thing I found is, and they're just all a bit like, mm, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just bringing the mud in oh, again." Oh, well, that's great. Em. <laughs>
0: stop traipsing the mud through the office please <laughs> oh that's wonderful that's really awesome so so back to detecting then you've been detecting about eight years um what's your detecting gear been throughout those years and where are you now what you're rocking these days so when i first started out i
1: bought a um a technetics eurotech pro oh yes. um so yeah it was a technetics machine and I I had that for two years because I also wanted to buy a machine that was, you know, it was affordable, it would still do the job and it was something to get me through I, I, it, just in case I thought metal detecting isn't for me. Yeah. Um It was a great, great starting machine and within three months of using that machine, I actually found gold with it. So wow. I was super, super, you know, chuffed that i found that and i was finding things and it it did keep me going so after about two years that's when i upgraded to a dais Deus, Deus one yeah um which you know most of the people i knew were using that machine at the time so i had to go to that Yeah. And um, spades, I've been for a few of those. So, you know, when (laughs) I first started out, it's off to B&Q and going by the spade. Then you realize, you start looking at other people in the field and you're like, oh, that's a bit fancy. That looks good. And that one's quite short. It's not like my old gardening spade here. Yeah. so then you go for. A, I went for a shorter one, as I'm quite a short, petite lady. So I wanted it to be lightweight as well. Um, and then I won one on a raffle, um, a black adder red spade. So I yeah. really stuck with that for a long, long time because it was a really good, lightweight, sturdy spade. And it had these little pegs on it. Mm. And if you've ever seen me detect, you'll see me. And I have this thing where I go over and jump on my spade. Because I can't often get the spade in with just a little shove. So I will literally jump on those pegs. So those pegs, really, Um, really handy for me. Brilliant. (laughs) That's a top tip. (laughs) It it, it is. Spades with pegs. Um, But now the spade I use is an optimist spade. And again, that's got like reinforced pegs on on the um, actual spade bit. So again, plenty of space
0: for jumping. Ah, love, love, love that, and it um helps the pegs help, I guess, with the soles of your shoes as well, because sometimes the actual, you know, the edge of the spade at the top can be a bit sharper, can't it? And over time, you sort of wear through your boots a bit, definitely. And making sure you've got good, sturdy, thick-based boots as well. I I normally
1: like in the summer use walking boots, um, yeah, and then in the winter sometimes get like those muck-style boots. I don't use the actual muck ones, but very similar type. of of boot to that and with a nice thick sturdy boot so there's no no
0: going through those yeah no going through those and um also hopefully not getting too wetter feet as well because the the grass even if it's shorter grass in the winter obviously with the dew and everything it soon soaks you doesn't it so are you still on the deus one now so now i've got deus two um and i i've had that for
1: just over a year now. yeah. I mainly wanted to switch over to it just because of the advanced technology that it would use, not because of like, you know, what they claim it's this much deeper or, you know, this much yeah. faster. I, yeah. Okay. Maybe, but I just wanted like the box itself has updated technology. So I just wanted it purely because of that. Um, yeah, I was doubtful at first. Obviously I'd been used to my DS one for so long. I knew it'd been finding me amazing things and, when I started using mm-hmm. the two, I was like, it's not the same. It is not the same. <laughs> um, but fortunately, I had a really good day. Well, I actually had my best day of metal detecting so far with the Dares 2. Uh, I found bronze, silver, and gold all in the same day. Whoa. Um, so, yes, it really convinced me then. I was like, yes, Dares 2, love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to put a big tick in the box, isn't it? The bronze, silver and gold on the same day. That must have been an epic yeah. day. Um, how did you do the um, software update on your Deus 2? Because I've heard mixed things about the software update, and whether you should do it or not, and I'm thinking about upgrading and because I'm an XP user, it would be um, yeah. probably for me to go to the Deus 1 or the Deus 2, might as well make the leap. What's your recommendation on that? I've not
1: updated to the most recent updates. I think there was an update a couple weeks ago and I've not updated to that just yet because I try and hold out just for a little bit just so when there is a whole batch of people updating and they report all these bugs, hopefully that you know if I wait a little bit they'll get those bugs cleared and improve that update Mm. and um, by the time I come around to update it it will be fine yeah Um, but I
0: haven't I haven't done the most recent update no that's um that's a good tip just in life generally depending on what phone you got everything I do I'm always excited when an update is coming I know it's coming because you think oh it's gonna you know, improve things. But I do try and wait a little bit. Try and be patient so that you know that there's not going to be additional bugs introduced. That's a good top tip. And then what about your um pinpointer? Have you got the M I six or something on like that?
1: Yep. Yeah, so I started out with um Garrett. I think most people do. Yeah. Um and then yeah when I when I got the Dais I went to the MI six obviously amazing amazing pinpointer just because it pairs with your machine and it comes through your headphones so you can actually hear it yeah in your headphones and um, that's what i love about it it's all you know it's compatible with it um and it's compatible with the DS one as well and you don't even need to repair it oh. which is you know because when i i went out on a dig last weekend and i had stupidly left my DS two coil at home mm. um had my dais one coil with me had my dais one machine so i thought got the dais one turn my pinpointer on it automatically you know is yeah. detected on the one oh brilliant and it was i didn't have to do anything yeah. um and then i could easily switch back to the two and it would still pick it up on that one oh. so there's no messing about with that which is really really good that's
0: really good isn't it simple things like that the ease of use for the user yeah that's brilliant good to hear good to hear and then when you go out and about i always ask do you are you the type that will take a backpack and you've got everything in your backpack and your finds bag or do you just prefer to travel lighter i used to take everything in a backpack
1: i used to i used to carry a backpack with like an extra jumper in because i'm always one that stuff suffers from the cold i used to pack my lunch in it and all that sort of stuff but now i don't like carrying the backpack I've got the fines pouch, so I I will mm. stuff it full of snacks, just to make sure, oh, like if I'm all the way the other end of the field, I have got <laughs> a snack. But now I just, I don't really like carrying the backpack. I like to be free around my shoulders now. So um, yeah, backpack
0: free now. It's all about comfort, isn't it? Because then you can keep digging that a little bit longer and that's what we all want at the end of the day. So that's your Detecting Gear. So what clubs are you members of then, M, Do you want to give a shout out to any of your clubs that you're part of? Anything you want to promote club-wise? so the very first club I joined was Mes- Medway History
1: Finders um, and they were the the guys that welcomed me in um, all those years ago and I first went out detecting with them and I actually found it very very hard to join any other clubs but that one as they always said that memberships were full, um, they didn't have like any online presence so it's like only you could only get in if you yeah. knew the people which I didn't um, so I, I, I started detecting with just Medway History finders yeah. for a long, long time, um, and then I discovered rallies, and I started going out on rallies, meeting more people, and then actually being alerted to more clubs yeah. meeting more people and having access to more clubs so um, now there's a Dartford metal detector club it's been running for quite a few years but I'm a member of that club um, good friends with some of the people there Yeah, um, we used to have the Joan Allen events which uh, was metal detecting all over Kent and now we have Can- Cantium metal detecting club who are, have a membership and You know, they are also Kent based. So I try and get out with a few clubs um, as well as detect wider in the UK. So like going back to the rallies or go to the Rodney Cook Memorial Rally or go to like Just Detect Rally and just try and spread myself out to try and... You know, what I find is that you get different finds in different counties. Correct, so I know yeah. I think Kent Kent is very, I wouldn't say famous, but almost famous for the amount of crotal bells that come out down this way. Oh, really? Um, cool. Yes. I've got, like, I've got a whole like bucket full of crotal bells, wow. and I'll go up north somewhere, and people are like, I haven't even found one. Wow. Um, yeah, so I feel like it's really... Um, you, if you travel different places, you find different finds, yeah. and I love that about the, that about the UK as well,
0: and mm. being attracted to go up to say Lincolnshire or something, and
1: finding different things up that way
0: yeah that's lovely and that and that's top tip again you know spread your wings go to the valleys go everywhere because it is so different and you get so used to your own permissions don't you and I'm always commenting on the the ground conditions here very flinty in Hampshire and so when I do go somewhere else it's just so lovely just to those little experiences as well how the countryside is different like you get the nice um, stone walls don't you as you go up north whereas down here it's all hedges every bit of it so yeah I, I agree Agree there, um, definitely go and explore where you can. And that again, as well, I've seen so
1: many beautiful scenes just by going to metal detecting digs, like getting up early, traveling to a field in the middle of nowhere and just some of the wildlife and nature and things that you see, you would never see if you didn't do this hobby. And that
0: I love that about that as well. Yeah, that leads nicely into my next question. What does metal detecting or history hunting in general give to you apart from the obvious?
1: you know what? There's there's two sides, I suppose. I love I love being around other people that share the same enthusiasm as me, and that that excites me because yeah. growing up with this interest, you often go into school with people who don't have an interest in history, um, and they couldn't care less. And then often, like the family you grow up with, they really couldn't care less either. <laughs> so then, to meet actual people who are in the same like, bucket is you, and they love history, and they're excited just as excited as you when you find the coin. Yeah, that is what you know, you're bouncing off each other, so it's that sort of social side that I really love about it yeah. as well. And um, metal detecting, as well, when I'm out in the field, it just gives me peace mm-hmm. as well. And when I'm out in the field, I kind of forget everything else that's going on, I forget about work. I'm there, I'm listening for the beep, I'm just hoping that I find something, and just. Enjoying
0: my hobby and just absolutely loving it. Yeah, finding your people and then that peace and serenity you get from it as well. Here, here, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, so let's talk about then, Em. I know you found a lot of stuff, and I've been scrolling through your Instagram. Let's try and talk about your best finds.
1: Best finds. I always, I, I always get asked this question. I always find it's a really tricky one to answer. um mm. I could I always say my favorite finds I do have a few favorite finds and I always I'm more, I do probably go back to them quite a lot um but one of my favorite finds has to be um heraldic horse harness pendant Ooh. um yes and it still had the enamelling on oh, it Wow! so I was actually in Norfolk when I found that yeah. and um I kind of i, I I remember it coming out, and I picked it up, and I was like, "Oh my god, is this, is this what I think it is?" And I sort of like put my thumb over it really carefully. It is, and it does have some of the enamelling still in it. And I was, I didn't even want to touch it after that. I was like, I didn't want to risk any enamelling coming off, yeah. it. so I was like, put it straight in my finds box. And when I got home, gently cleaned it and um, to the best of my abilities to then reveal the design on it. And it was that point where I was like, you know what, this is amazing. And it was one of those bucket list of finds for me. And then, you know, I was taking photos of it, made sure I, it was on the, the Portable Antiquity Scheme database. And I really started to research into it, which for me, that I love that as well. Um, emailing different, you know, um, like companies to to see if they have this design in their record books Um, and I've been emailing different people about research for it and then I even contacted the College of Arms in London to see if they had this you know the the heraldic pendant design in their library Um, and they did actually I had to pay a small fee for the researcher to look it up but I did actually have a connection made with the pendant uh, and it was connected to their family name of Seymour and that for me yeah I found that absolutely incredible um so just being able to connect that with some part of history yeah uh, that just it makes me beam and it's those sort of items the personal items that you can then trace back
0: and make a link to i love those oh that's fantastic being able to get back to the family name that's wonderful and uh and again yeah we always say that you can make as much of the hobby as you like so you know you could have found that and then you know reported it and then put it in your finds cabinet but you kept digging literally <laughs> kept digging to find more information about it that's it's amazing no wonder that's one of your favorites
1: i loved i love um my first ever piece of treasure so um yeah i found it in kent and. I kind—I of, dug it out, I remember I dug it out and I was looking at it and I was mm, probably seconds away from putting it in my pouch as a piece of scrap when suddenly a little glint caught my eye and I mm. cleared it off a little bit and it was this shaped object, literally probably about two centimetres in length yeah. and I just saw like a a glass eye is what I would describe it as Ooh. and I just thought... Okay, so I cleared it up a little bit more, and the object had two amber glass eyes, and I thought, Ooh. if this is old, they didn't put glass eyes in just, you know, copper or bronze or something, so I managed to clean it up a little bit more, and it was in the shape of a bird, so it was a bird with glass amber eyes. Wow. And straight away, when I was in the field, I photographed it, sent a picture off to my flow, Yeah, and he replied, and he said, yeah, love it, want to see it in, uh, it could be treasure. Yeah. So, I, I I met up with him, and he was like, "Yeah, treasure." So sending it off, and it turned out, it turned out to be um, a, a bird. Uh, it was like eating its own tail. It did have amber glass eyes, mm-hmm. and it was a Saxon pinhead. <gasps> um, wow! Yeah. So that. It was milliseconds from going into my scrap pouch. Yes. And then, you know, I, I saw the eyes. So it was actually then saved. And that was my first ever piece of treasure. It took two years to go through the system, but I did get that back. Yes. And I have still got it on my shelf. Oh. Um, and it, I do, I'm very, very fond of it as it was
0: my first piece of treasure. Oh, I bet you are. Now you're the second person on the podcast to highlight the necessity to go through your scrap even before you throw it away, go through, clean it, even if you just think it's a bottle top or something like that. We had um, Paddy Detect's on and he had a bit of scrap that turned out to be some Bronze Age ribbon gold. So similar tale, because when you're out in the field sometimes and you're tired and things are caked on with clay and mud, you don't always see those details, do you? I often um, marshal
1: on on a dig and, um, you know, we put scrap buckets out in the field for people to discard their scrap, you know, massive bits of iron and stuff. And um, occasionally I'll I'll just pop past and I'll have a little look in there. And you know what? I found... um, some amazing things in scrap buckets that people throw away I'm really into buttons as well so if I see like a military button or something that someone's putting scrap in I'll take that out <laughs> I'll add that to my collection I'm, I quite like buttons but yeah. I've also found in a scrap bucket um a dagger shape yeah bit, dagger shape um and yeah and it was like it had a little pattern on it but I was just like I can't believe someone's thinking this was scrap it was like Mm. had a pattern on it and everything so I actually saved that from the scrap bin um wow so since that point I always have a little little rummage um a friend of mine found a piece of silver in in a scrap bin as well because it obviously looked like a screwed up piece of aluminium or something and But he picked it out and investigated it and it turned out to be some silver.
0: So Wow, there you go, everybody. That underlines it and triple underlines it for sure. (laughs) And even like your lead, I've got a little bucket in the garden I keep covered, but that's my lead bucket and I'll take that to the scrappy because then you're recycling as well, aren't you? And you get a little bit of cash in hand. Um, But like you, I love my buttons. I've got my favourite buttons in my cabinet so like the military buttons as you say um and then i've even got like the the four hold buttons and everything in a in a big old mayonnaise jar and that itself is a nice display item so i love it yeah i've got the same yeah even the four hole ones i've still got a jar of those yeah Yeah. i keep every button (laughs) one day i'll run (laughs) out of space but not yet (laughs) brilliant so there, yeah there's some lovely finds um my follow-up question is always, "What's the weirdest thing you've ever found out on your travels?" Weirdest, oddest items. I've, n-
1: I myself have not found anything like, um, you know, you hear people finding false teeth yes, or gold yeah. teeth, or, uh, I- I've seen those stories. Um, weirdest, oddest item. You know what? I actually can't think of anything off the top of my head. I think most of the things I find, I can pretty much put in a good explanation. Yeah,
0: you might just be lucky. So,
1: I don't know. Yeah, but perhaps I am.
0: Em, yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favourite history era? I mean, it's hard because you do so much, but do you have one that you're always like, oh, yeah, that's my favourite? So
1: I have been asked this question before and I actually dilly-dallied around the answer. <laughs> to, for me, when I think about it, And people, you know, or I've been asked, what what era would you love to go back to? I'm always a bit like, "Mm, don't know if I would actually. What what of my like disease and murdering and (laughs) And you know smelliness, yeah starvation and Mm. that is what those are the sorts of things that spring to my mind instead of all like you know imagining fancy all the fancy Tudors in their gowns and stuff I'm like realistically if I was to go back to that era would I have been a fancy gown lady probably not (laughs) So I, I find that. that really, I find that really difficult to to think of an era I'd love to go back to because immediately my mind just goes to like the, the peasant side. And I'm like, yeah. I wouldn't like to experience that. No. <laughs> um, but I think I do quite, I do quite like the Tudors. I'm actually really into. I'm in a Viking stage at the moment. Oh, I think yes. it's mainly just being influenced by what I watch on the telly. Yeah, and sort of just like, <laughs> oh, so I'm really just being influenced. Yeah, Anglo Saxons and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. um. It can change. I'm influenced by the telly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever's popular, I'm there. No, I'm the same. And I was talking to, um, who was I talking to? I was talking to Buffy recently and uh, she really dropped a seed because I always think of the smells kind of in line with what you were saying there about peasants. And I'm always like, it was just really icky back then. You know, I wouldn't want to. Um, But Buffy always uh, said she thinks about the sounds of the times because obviously now everything's so like, and bongy with the notifications and everything, but back there you wouldn't have had traffic noise or airplane noise, anything like that. And I found that incredibly interesting. Um, but yeah, I was talking to Sophie, girl, that digs, and she was saying she was having a, a bit of a Viking thing. So we were talking about ancestry, and we'd both done the DNA test, and we've both got some as well. Danish in there. Yeah, you've done that too. Did you have any Scandinavian well. in there?
1: Um, I, I think mine
0: was um Norwegian. Ah, okay, there you go. I ha- I had Norway, yes, yeah, so that kicked off because i 've got um a tattoo sleeve, and on there i 've got a lot of Viking stuff as part of that, so i 've got strong females from the past, um so i 've got some a, a female Viking on there, and all of the different. Uh, Runestones and stuff, so yeah, it's amazing where it takes you, isn't it? And I love the fact you're like, Yep, whatever's on the telly that might influence me at the time. What's my favorite? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I you know, it, it spurs my interest and in think, Well, actually, did that happen? Or you know, I'm quite um crafty and like, oh, how did they make that? Oh, I love that. Look at the costumes that they've designed in yes. that. Um, and uh, so I occasionally I'll log on to PlayStation and I've been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yes. And that has got me thinking recently. Like they, there's a lot of using the Riverways in that game. Um And now that when I go on a dig and if there's a river there, I'm often thinking, oh, you know, could a boat have got down there and would that have been a route for them to go to the next village or something? And that is just me from playing the game.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's brilliant. My friend's like a level 300 or something on Valhalla and I'm yet to start, but I'm looking forward to it for exactly that reason. (laughs) Now you mention it. So that leads on to another question I have about other hobbies that you have. In what are your uh, other hobbies that you're into? Obviously, you're a bit of a gamer too.
1: Um, I do do try so gaming I I will do gaming if I find the time amongst my other hobbies so I am um, in my day job I'm an animator so that I love doing I love my day job so I'm often consumed by being creative um, and I do a lot of arts and crafts as well so um, I dabble in like um making a few mosaics um i actually have a a sideline hobby where i design and then make enamel pin badges yes um so yeah a lot of my time goes into running that as well um i'm a local parish councillor for my for my village as well so um you know helping the community improve and all that sort of stuff so yeah
0: lovely. I, I,
1: I like to keep really busy and surround myself by history as well because you'll be surprised at the area you can find history in so um mm. at, the par- at the parish council at the moment we are um planning for a remembrance day yeah and I'm kind of like taking the lead on that and I'm like yes we've got to do it you know we've got ordered these massive poppies to decorate our little village in and yeah um I'm but I'm laying the reef this year at the war memorial so oh, wow. it's just like oh, amazing yeah, yeah.
0: fantastic yeah. oh that's brilliant so you're a very busy lady you do keep yourself dead busy um back to the history era then who is your current favorite monarch or emperor who always uh, gets you interested in their story I
1: love I do like the Tudors and I love the musical Six.
0: Um so oh. I, I don't know if you've ever seen it but I haven't seen it. I wanted to go and see it. Yeah this summer but I missed the boat on the tickets. Tell me yeah, about Henry the
1: Ape's wives. Um so it's it's only about an hour long but they all kind of each one of them kind of get up and do a song and I became obsessed with that. Um yeah. So I know all of the songs and, you know, it's actually a really, really interesting musical, but I don't think, I still don't think that's enough for me to to pull into the Tudors. Um, I, you know what, I quite like George the Third.
0: Yes. <laughs> he,
1: he's one of those, I think, you know, you've, we, we often find so many coins with his head on. I think maybe mm. that's it. It's just my favourite because I find so many coins with his head on and it's like straight away, you know. <laughs> who it is from his coin um
0: yeah quite
1: like george iii they like mad king again kind of going along with um musical theme with hamilton as he's mm-hmm. like makes an appearance in hamilton so yeah yeah
0: that, that maybe george iii yeah you're right there's a certain there's a certain colour and feel to the George III coins, isn't there? Even when it's a really crusty one, you just know. You always know. <laughs> and because it obviously is yeah. Long reign, Mad King, like you say. Um, there's that fantastic movie as well, isn't there, that I watched many years ago, The Madness of King George. Brilliant movie. Watch that if you haven't. But, yeah, he is, he is a classic. I like your choices. Very good, very good. Okay, so we're moving on now to how you go about getting permissions or any advice you can mm. have for fellow detectorists in terms of trying to find permissions if they don't have any already or if they want to try and get some more. Sure. I, so since I've been
1: detecting, I, I literally primarily only go out with clubs. Um, I I have had a permission um, and that was during lockdown. I, I kind of sat there and thought, right, clubs aren't allowed to go out and detect. Um, when lockdowns lifted, what do I want to do? Because clubs don't know when they can get back and detect again. So it's like, maybe I can try and yeah. find permission of my own. And that is when I did able to secure my very first permission. So what I did was just look at my local area and send a few emails out. Um, yeah. And just explained who I was, um, made sure I had a little bio in there of how long I'd been detecting, and just generally a few things about myself. Yeah, um, and just emailed it off politely, asking if there was any of chance that I could detect on their land. Yeah. Uh, and one lady actually did reply to me. Um, and she said, uh, I can give you permission so long as you search for some rings that I've lost. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So I said, yeah, fantastic. I'd love to give it a try. So I went down to her land and I met with her. She actually then explained to me that the rings were her mother's that she had been wearing, and her mum has passed away since. Yeah. But she was wearing her mother's rings, and she would lost oh. them while picking grapes um, off of off of grapevines. Oh wow!
0: Um,
1: so turned up first day, detected no luck, and I thought, oh my god, this you know things start to run through your head and I'm like I haven't found them but what if she thinks I have and I've <laughs> stolen them or all these sorts of things so yeah I was just getting really really paranoid and then uh, I said to her "Right, you know what I'll be back next weekend if that's okay with you she said yeah fine come back down yeah so I did and that is the day I found the rings and uh, yeah I found one ring, and then a couple of hours afterwards, I found the second ring, and it was amazing. It was the most incredible feeling in the world. And she was crying, I was crying, and you know, Aww. it was just. I loved that. And, and it kind of then put that sort of trust into into her and to me. And, you know, we both, she was like, come back whenever you want. And, uh, and yeah. then she then even said to me, oh, our, our friend lost a ring in the field next door. That's mine. If you go in there and you find it, let me know. A few weeks later, I actually did find that ring as well, so I handed that back into them. So three rings recovered off of their site and and returned to the owners. Yeah, well done you.
0: Yeah, a few people have said that as well when they when you're reaching out for permissions or if you're putting a little ad up on Facebook or however you're going about it, offer the free sort of jewelry finding service or something finding service. Sometimes people can be doing stuff on their car or something and lose that one bolt <laughs> you know what i yes. mean um, yeah. and especially farmers yeah. as well when they lose keys for things and they haven't got a copy they will reach out to you and that's another way then to sort of earn trust and favor and get your permissions that's, it. Oh, that's so lovely that must have been so emotional lovely day for you and obviously the lady as well to get the rings back brilliant yeah it, it was, was good, good. How do you cope then? I don't know if this is relevant to you, Em, because you find a lot of stuff. But how do you deal with any dry spells? What do you tell yourself if you've not found something for a while? Yeah, well, like you say, generally,
1: I'm quite lucky. Um, I go out with my best head on and feel like I'm going to find something. And usually I'm very lucky and I do. Um, but no, there ha- I have been through dry spells um especially when i first started detecting i didn't find a hammered coin for two years when i first started detecting so wow. you know yeah. i would found odd things and every time i'd go out in a club dig people would be finding hammered coins around me left right and center and i'm like what am i doing wrong why why haven't i got a <laughs> yeah. hammered coin um but yeah most re- so it's two years took me to find my first hammered coin and then it ended up being one of the really tiny <laughs> tiny hammers um but I, yeah. I remember it so well. Very fond of it. Still got it. Um, <laughs> so two, two years. For, you always remember your first. Exactly. Two two years for that one. But recently, you know, you, it does happen. It does happen to all of us. And a couple of months without finding anything that you're significantly interested by, I suppose, has is, is, is been my longest dry spell. Um, but usually I try not to think of it in that way. And if I go out metal detecting and I find a coin... I'm generally happy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Something around in the ground, I mean. we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, lovely, yeah, just keep going. And, and some weeks I always put myself under pressure that – because it's the weekend and I get my detecting day where I don't have to think about like housework and all that stuff, sometimes I put pressure on myself to go even when I might not be feeling 100%. And I've stopped doing that now. I've gone, no, no, actually, I'm going to have a day in and, you know, clean some finds or clean my cabinet or whatever. And then by the next weekend, I'm really ready to go for it. And like you say, I've got the right mindset, positive mindset. And then more often than not, I do find something then because I'm, uh, I'm totally up for it, ready and recharged. Absolutely um have you had any issues when you've been out detecting maybe livestock or anything random immediately it goes in my head that I remember we went into
1: a field I was on a club dig and there was a dead sheep in the field unfortunately one of the sheep had passed away so that that I hate stuff like that and that made me really really sad but we had to you know phone up the farmer and the farmer then actually came and collected it um but you know you, you are in the wildlife scene, uh, in the nature scene, and you are, I suppose, more um, likely to see those sorts of things in our hobby than most yeah. other hobbies. So, you know, I've seen a few sad things, and uh, unfortunately, but being around livestock, I suppose that's a risk as well. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, it's just making sure. Gates are closed, which for, luckily I've never had a you know had an issue with that. But there have been instances where landowners have um, have not been given the right information, or they've there's been some miscommunication somewhere. And I've been on a dig, and uh, you know I'm marshalling the dig, so I'm in the hives, and landowners come marching marching over, and oh, I didn't know you'd be here. And it's just once I had a chat to them, and you know it's then been some sort of miscommunication uh, along that yeah. and then they're like oh yes no I forgot so <laughs> yeah. it's a little embarrassing at first because you're like oh my god like what have I done and all this sort of stuff and then actually yeah, did like, I come oh. on the wrong
0: day yeah 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 so um yeah, I think with the landowners, sometimes, you know, they, they deal with so much, don't they? And and then sometimes, yeah, they might get the wrong end of the stick, like you say, but generally, <laughs> they're, they're all lovely. But yeah, they have to deal with so much terrible stuff. I don't blame them for sometimes being a little bit nervous themselves. But yeah, cautious. They are yeah. Lovely. yeah, cautious. That's exactly the right word. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Okay. Um, you've already given us so many top tips, but have you got any top tips then um, for people just starting out in the hobby? What would you? What would be your top tip to them? Yeah. Oh my God. I just think about
1: like when I first started out, there was like nobody, there was nobody I could speak to or approach or uh, I feel like now there are so many avenues to Find out information, and you know, just just go out and speak to people. If you're going on club digs, go out and ask questions, and people will love it. People are so keen to teach as well, and to yeah, you know, like don't if you find something and you have a question about your find, like maybe you don't know what it is, go and ask somebody because often and enough people are like, oh yeah, that's a such and such, and straight away people know what it is and they want mm. to tell you what it is. So it's not like a. Uh, hidden secrets and all being like oh, i'm not telling you anything it's like people want to inspire and educate as well so you know if you're just starting out don't be scared to approach people and talk to people and get involved and people open that with you know people are there with open arms saying welcome to our hobby um yeah so i feel yeah. like yeah that, that would be my top tip, just to go out,
0: don't be afraid, go and enjoy yourself and, and ask questions. Brilliant. And when you were saying earlier that it took you a couple of years to find a hammer coin, um, I often see, I think it's the Heart of England digs on the YouTube video, Sid Perry. Um, quite often I'll see him and he's um, talking to someone that's just found something, a Roman or whatever, and it's a different bit of land, and he'll go, "Oh, let me scan that, because he's got the Deus 2 now, I think. He's like, no, he hasn't got the Deus 2, what's he got? He's got something different, I'll think of it in a minute. Um, but yeah, he often just asks to scan over with his detector, so then he can see what type of signal it is, and just little things like that. Everybody's so happy, aren't they, to, to help out and show off their finds and everything else. So yeah, I I, I highly agree with what you've just said there. Brilliant. Okay. So we're going to move on to bucket list section now, Em. This is everyone's favourite section. What's on your own personal bucket list that you haven't found yet, but you're really eager to find? So definitely number one up there is a inscribed posy ring.
1: Um again, oh, yes. it's kind of that I love being able to connect it back to something, you know, and give it a date and a name that it used to belong to. So yes, a, a posy ring with an inscription like a date and a name that for me is my, at the moment, ultimate bucket lister. Oh,
0: lovely. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Yes, to be able to look at the inscription and if it's got any kind of uh, markings on it or anything, yeah, that would be lovely. So that's your one of your bucket list items. Now, mm-hmm. the next section, now this is really important, the ultimate bucket lister list. So our guests each week, we get to put an item onto the <laughs> ultimate bucket lister list. It can be something out there, like a Sutton who Hoard or it can be something kind of normal like a Crotal Bell but what item would you like to place on the ultimate bucket list list for our listeners I would say um can I add the posy ring you can add a posy ring yeah we don't have a posy ring yet and I think that's quite <laughs> yeah obtainable you know a lot of found
1: yeah let, let's go for the posy ring because like you say it's um it's gold
0: and it's historic and like you say it's achievable Yes, brilliant, I love that So we're going to put you on there with the gold posy ring Good choice, good choice, I love that okay um anything you would like to promote em um what's the address for your etsy store because your enamel pins are wonderful so um my etsy store is actually
1: called emma yule studio so i'm sure if you just pop that into google or any other search engine it will bring up the etsy store or just go on to etsy and search for it it'll be on there as well um and you'll just see loads of my own designed uh items themselves so you know I've got a few few pin badges on there at the moment I've got a few Christmas card designs on there of, of finds that I found put into like a tree design oh, and brilliant. you know um pottery yeah. shards I laid them all out and put them into the form of like a, a Christmas stocking photographed it and then printed it out to Christmas cards so um, those are those are really fun to make and they've been quite successful in the shop so yeah
0: nice and tis the season it'll soon be upon us won't it, it won't be long <laughs> get in there get exactly. your in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who would you like to see on the podcast
1: this this morning I was having a chat with Ben Shires I don't know if you oh. have you approached Ben Shires have you got him on it's Ben um, Shires
0: detector Ben yes 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 he he has said he's going to come on the podcast we're trying to make uh calendars and diaries align but yes very much want to get Ben on he'll be very very good um I've known Ben for a few years and we
1: were on a little call this morning and he said, oh, you know, uh, he even mentioned this podcast and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm recording this afternoon. He was like, really? I was like, yeah. So, uh,
0: yeah. I'll reach out that you've planted the seed, replanted the seed. I'll reach out to him on email again later. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <Ben. laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, no,
1: um, Ben will be a great person to chat to.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to getting Ben on and he's such a personality you can see as well from his his, uh, photographs and he's found so much wonderful stuff already, hasn't he? Um, I think it was the Gold Saxon pinhead as well pinhead. found nothing yeah yeah you. super
1: lucky I was I was literally with him and we were walking to the field and you know we were having a little chat because uh, he's kind of he's in the television industry and does voiceovers and things I do animation yeah. animation and voiceovers work great together so he was having a little yeah. chat about work and then uh, it was kind of like all right we're here at the field right well good luck all right see you later and literally when I caught up with him the first thing he found that day in that field was the uh, Saxon pinhead. And what did I have to show? Barely anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's the
0: way it goes, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, okay, so listener questions i did a uh, I did a shout out, let people know that I was uh, lucky enough to be interviewing yourself this morning, m and we have one listener question, and this is from Samuel bleeps, and Samuel asks, Do you prefer pasture or arable land to detect on arable one hundred percent um I have been on pasture. Never really had
1: much luck on pasture. Um, there have been on two occasions where I've gone onto pasture and found hammered coin uh, on them. And that absolutely blew me away because every time I go on pasture, I don't really expect anything, especially anything of age.
0: Um, mm. So for me, arable, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, our board it is? Thank you, Sam, for your question. So, M, that's it for today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been so lovely to hear about more about yourself and your finds and everything you get up to. It's been lovely. Um, and hopefully, we'll get you on for season two to see, you know, what the next year has brought you in terms of finds, etc. So, thanks very much. Fantastic. Thank you for having me on. It's been really good fun. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye. And you, bye. There you go, everybody. That was Emma Yule, M em Love Old Stuff on Instagram. And if you wanted to check out Emma's Etsy shop, it's Emma Yule Studio. You'll be able to find all of her wonderful creations there. So go and check it out. Um, just a reminder please have a look and give us a rating if you want to. That will really help the podcast and help it keep going. Also, we have a Patreon. You'll get the episodes a whole day earlier than everybody else if you go and have a look at our Patreon. Lots of really affordable tiers. Just go to patreon.com forward slash detecting history podcast to check that out. And then we also have our own Etsy store. So if you want to support the podcast, get some merchandise, Christmas is coming. Head over to etsy.com forward slash detecting history pod. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Speak to you soon. Bye.